0: Well, welcome to our Facebook live feed. I'm Pastor Mike Brunzel with Faith Fellowship Church. I have an interesting teaching for you tonight. I'd like for you to turn to Luke, the 17th chapter, in the 11th verse. Luke, chapter 17, verse 11 through 19, we'll be reading. I just seen our hearts. I believe we're connected. Praise the Lord. And it came to pass as he, Jesus, went to Jerusalem that he passed through the midst of Samaria and Galilee. And as he entered into a certain village, there met him 10 men that were lepers, which stood afar off. And they lifted up their voices and said, Jesus, master, have mercy on us. And when he saw them, he said unto them, go show yourselves unto the priest. And it came to pass that as they went, they were cleansed. And one of them, when he saw that he was healed, turned back, and with a loud voice glorified God, and fell down on his face at his feet, giving him thanks. And he was a Samaritan. And Jesus answering said, Here are the nine? There are not found that return to give glory to God, save this stranger. And he said unto him, Arise, Go thy way, thy faith hath made thee whole. I want to talk to you tonight for a few minutes about having a grateful attitude, having an attitude of thanksgiving, an attitude of gratitude, if you would. If there's one thing that stands out in the church nowadays, it's the sin of ingratitude and unthankfulness. God does so much for us, and yet we rarely offer him the thanks that he really deserves. In fact, most Christians don't even offer thanks over their meals anymore, uh, let alone over the other things that God does for them. For example, the population of the USA is about 350 million. And according to Wikipedia, approximately 205 million, that's about 71% of the people in this country claim to be Christians. If that's the case, then when we go to a restaurant, hypothetically at least, How come we don't see seven out of every ten people bow their heads and give thanks for their meal? Uh, If that's the case, then when we go to a restaurant, how come we don't uh, really see anybody giving thanks for their meal? I mean, we go to the restaurant usually maybe two or three times a month on a Sunday afternoon. And a lot of them people are coming out of church and going to the restaurant just like we are. You see anybody bow their heads and give thanks for their meal and uh am i saying they're not christians of course not uh not because they don't thank god for their food i'm just saying that we're not as thankful as we should be and you know there's a really good reason for us to pray over our food uh especially these days you know thanking god for our food and asking him to bless it is more important than you might think In Exodus chapter 23, verses 25 and 26, God said that if we would serve him, in other words, if we're a child of God, we'll be serving God, and he said he would bless our food and water and take sickness from the midst of us. That's a wonderful promise. Not only that, but he said that he would make us fruitful and give us a full lifespan, the New International Version said a full life span. That means you won't go to heaven before your time. You know, I'll be happy to go to heaven, but I'm just not in a hurry right now. And we shouldn't be. There's things to be done here on the earth, especially in these last days. Uh, this is our time to stand up and rise up and shine like the church is supposed to shine. So I'm not in a hurry to leave. I want to get some more work done while I'm down here, like I'm sure that you would too. Uh, but that's a good enough reason for us to pray over our meal. There are other reasons, too, because the Bible says in uh, in Timothy, Paul was talking to Timothy, he said that uh, all things are sanctified by prayer and thanksgiving. So when we pray and uh, give thanksgiving, our food is sanctified. And that word sanctified um, means to purify and make holy, to purify and make holy. So if we pray and give thanks over our food according to the word, the Lord said He'll purify it, take everything bad out of it, and make it holy. How many would like to have their food purified, especially nowadays? You don't know, what, you don't know what's going on in that kitchen. <laughs> but anyway, uh, those of you that don't think it's important to pray over your meal, it's more important than you know. And, and uh, well, let's go back to the lepers. First of all. I want you to notice the position of these lepers. The Bible says they stood afar off. And that's a terrible position for anyone to be in, especially when it comes to the Lord. You wanna be close to the Lord. We're we're instructed to draw nigh unto the Lord and he will draw nigh unto us. So the last thing we wanna do is be afar off from the Lord. And I'm sure the disease of leprosy, especially in its early stages, was uh, very painful physically. But the physical pain was not the worst part of the disease. The worst part of the disease was that lepers were separated uh, from society, from their families, from their loved ones. They were shut out and cast off. And as a matter of fact, if somebody came near to a leper, the leper was to cover his face and cry, unclean, unclean, uh, to cause the people to turn away from them. So they're alienated from everyone they knew and loved. They can never feel the touch Uh, of their spouse, or a kiss from their children, or no more weekend barbecues or gatherings, no hugs, no handshakes, no pats on the back, no church or fellowship. It had to be hard on them. And in the New Testament, sin is compared to leprosy. And just like leprosy, sin also puts us in a bad position. It causes us to be far off from God. And there may not be leprosy to deal with anymore, but there's other Uh, deadly communicable diseases out there. Uh, For example, COVID-19 is just one of them. And unfortunately, we act like it's leprosy as well. And I would hate to see the church get cold and people lose their compassion for other people because they think they have a communicable disease. Now, in our church, you know, we don't encourage people to come to church sick, especially with communicable disease. But we've always uh, had a safeguarding place where we cleanse and sterilize everything uh, uh, made it you know germ-proof after church you know we would wipe all the children's toys down and the nursery toys down and the, the beds and the chairs and everything with Clorox wipes and things like that we'd sanitize the the bathroom all the touch places that people touch and this was even before the COVID Uh, Because we never knew if somebody had a disease or not, because it's it's not always symptomatic. And we weren't in fear. We were just protecting the people in our church. And, you know, a lot of churches across the country right now are closed. And I believe they should be declared essential, actually more essential than Walmart or Home Depot or uh, Planned Parenthood, for example, because we not only have a cure for sin, we also have a cure for disease. Uh, How many knows Jesus is a healer? How many know Jesus saves and forgives? And uh, we don't want people to not have access to church. And yes, we should use all the tools available to us. Just like I was saying, you know, we should sanitize things and we should be careful. And right now they're recommending masks. And so we wear masks, at least when we're moving around the church. But when we're sitting in our seats during the message or something we take our masks off so we can breathe amen and uh you know our ushers are very careful they wear masks they have gloves uh if somebody uses a pen they sanitize it uh, the, the place where we accept ties and offerings has a bucket and it's sanitized uh, after the service so uh, we're being very careful we're trying to follow follow the guidelines to the best of our abilities but at the same time we're not going to get in fear over this thing. We're still going to be a church and we're still going to offer people forgiveness. And we're going to still offer them the healing power of the Lord Jesus Christ. But, uh, you know, if somebody is sick and they want me as a pastor, my wife as a pastor to lay hands on them, because the Bible says you shall lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. I will lay hands on them. Amen. I'll wear my mask. I'll be careful. Uh, I'll anoint them with oil. And, and after I'm done praying with them, I'll sanitize my hands and I'll be I'll be careful and I'll be as complicit with the guidelines as I possibly can be. But I am also going to do what the Lord tells us to do in the word. Amen. But uh, another thing I want you to notice is that even though these people probably all came from different backgrounds and different walks of life. I mean, there was rich and poor, Jew and Gentile, educated, uneducated, uh, probably people of different color. It didn't make any difference because sin, as well as sickness and disease, does not discriminate. Sin and sickness and disease are equal opportunity employers. Uh, they don't have respect for anybody. And these lepers all had the same common ground. They were all sick. They were all lepers. They all had a death sentence on their heads. And, and they were all in the same painful position. And that was being a far off from the Lord. So verses 13 and 14 says, and they, the lepers, lifted up their voices and said, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. And when he saw them, he said unto them, go show yourselves to the priests. And it came to pass that as they went, they were cleansed. In other words, they were all healed. As they went, uh, when he first told them to go show yourselves to the priests, they weren't healed at that point in time. They got healed as they went. I don't know if it was one step, 10 steps, or uh, they had to walk a block. But all 10 simultaneously prayed the same prayer at the same time. But notice two things here. Number one, they all realized that they needed help. And number two, They all knew that there was none to be found, not in their society, not with modern medicine of that day, at least until they heard stories about this man called Jesus, how that he had performed signs and wonders and miracles and how he had healed the sick and raised the dead. And so when they seen him afar off, they began to cry, Jesus, master. They recognized him as the Lord, not only as the Lord, but as their master. And this at least gave them hope. And so when they seen him afar off, they were ready. They they were ready to start shouting and crying for mercy. And it was risky to do something like that. It was risky for him to cry out because his job was to say unclean, unclean, when they saw somebody coming near them. But they didn't say unclean, they unclean. They said, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. And, and uh, But they figured, you know, what do they have to lose? They were at a point in time where... They had a death sentence on their heads anyway. I mean, how much worse could it get? And and so Jesus tells them, go show yourself to the priest. And it took faith for them to do that, to turn and walk away, because it would have been easy for them to look at themselves and say, I can't show myself to the priest because I'm not healed. But Jesus, uh, just like the word of God and the promises of God, requires us to show some faith. And so when they turned and began to walk away, although they were still lepers it showed jesus that they had some faith or they would have never turned and walked away and uh, if they would have showed up at the temple for example still leprous it probably would have ruined their day because even though the people probably wouldn't touch them physically these people were all professional professional rock chuckers and stone throwers so they would have probably got stoned but the uh the priest couldn't cure them anyway But according to the law, anyone that had leprosy had to be examined by a priest after they were healed because he was the only one that could uh, pronounce them clean. He was the only one that had the authority to pronounce them clean. And he would issue a certificate of cleanliness so that they could return to society and return back to their families and back to their friends and back to church. But here's something interesting. They weren't healed immediately, as I said, they were healed as they went. As they obeyed the word of the Lord, they were healed. As they were walking out their faith, they were healed. Now, you could pray and uh, you'll realize that it's not prayer by itself that works. It's prayer plus obedience. And it's prayer plus obedience and faith to the word of God that you heard or that you read. And that's how it works. It's your faith in what the word says, and it's your obedience to do what the word said. That's how you show your faith, because James says faith without works is dead. So you have to have works with your faith, and by them turning and walking, show works and added works to their faith. So you can pray all you want, but if you don't do what the word told you to do or what the word tells you to do and and do it in faith, then you're not going to get healed or anything else from the Lord. And you might say, what is all this to do with being thankful? Well, I'm going to show you here in a second, but I first had to establish the fact that being a leper was a death sentence at that time. Today, it's not a death sentence. They have medication for it. And and, But the survival rate back then was pretty much zero to none. And so if someone was healed, you would think they would be overwhelmingly thankful because being healed of leprosy back then was a big deal. But in verses 15 to 19, it says, and one of them, just one of them, when he saw that he was healed, turned back, and with a loud voice glorified God, and fell down on his face at his feet, giving him thanks, and he was a Samaritan. Now, why would the Lord mention something like that? Because a Samaritan was considered a stranger, as the Lord uh, called him earlier, and They just didn't have any dealings with the Jews, and the Jews didn't have any dealings with them. There was much animosity between the Jews and the Samaritans. and uh, So he was someone that was hostile to the Jews, and in turn, the Jews were hostile to him. And Jesus answering said, were there not ten cleansed? But where are the nine? Think about that a minute. It will touch your heart. Uh, The Lord asked him, where are the nine? I healed ten, but where are the other nine? And there are not found that return to give glory to God, save this stranger. And he said unto him, Arise, go thy way, thy faith hath made thee whole. And here's the key to the whole issue. They were all in the same awful position. They were all leprous. They were all afar from the Lord. And they all prayed and they were all healed. Yet only one of the ten returned To worship and give thanks. Just one. And he was a stranger. He was a Samaritan. He was without covenant. He wasn't a Jew. And he saw a reason to worship. He saw a reason to praise God. And he saw the difference that Jesus had made in his life. And he saw the change that Jesus made in his life. And he saw a reason to be thankful. He saw a reason to return, fall at Jesus' feet, and give him worship and praise and thanksgiving, but more than that, he he saw an opportunity, an opportunity to, to worship and praise God. I don't know how long he was a leper, uh, and I'm, I'm sure that the Samaritans were religious in their own ways. They believed the same way just about that the Jews did, and he was probably a member of the local uh, church in his in Samaria, but uh, he didn't have a right standing with the Jews. And most of us see a need to pray, but we don't see the need to praise. And that's how the other nine lepers were. They all had a good reason to praise God, but only one of them returned and did praise God and give him thanks. And I have no doubt that after they were declared clean by the priest, they went straight home to be with their family and their friends, to hug and kiss their spouse and to uh, play with their children, to visit their mom and dad and to talk with their friends. And, I'll even be willing to bet that they were going to church that Sunday, and it's so easy to be occupied when we're blessed with something big. We're just caught up in the blessing. We're just got all kinds of things going on and things to do, but you know it's always easy to forget about the one who brought the blessing, and that was a, that was the issue with the nine lepers, uh, and I'm sure the one that took time to worship and praise God for His healing was just as anxious as the others to get home, to get back to his family, to uh, hug and kiss his wife and children and and meet with his uh, relatives and friends. I'm sure he missed them just as much as the other nine did. And I'm sure he wanted to spend time with his friends just like the other nine did. But he had his priorities in order. And he didn't get so wrapped up in the blessing. And it was a big blessing to be healed of leprosy. He didn't get so wrapped up in that blessing that he forgot the blesser. And he put his family, his friends, and everything else in his life on hold so that he could worship the one that made it all possible for him. Praise Jesus. And notice the Bible says that with a loud voice he glorified God. And, you know, we cry loud when we need help. (laughs) But the praise and thanks is weak after if at all. And we should praise and thank Him with the same zeal that we sought to help. And I can't tell you how many times people have called us as pastors for prayer, and we're happy to do it. We're happy to pray with people and hook up our faith with their faith. You know, the the power of agreement is is really strong when it comes to prayer. So we like to do that for people. But then we don't hear from them after the prayer has been answered. And uh, don't get me wrong, we're not looking for thanks. We're not looking for praise or worship, but if we love you enough to cry with you during the hard times, then you should know that we would love to rejoice with you, too, when the blessing comes and God answers your prayer. Amen? And that's kind of what Jesus was saying, you know. uh, Where are the other nine? How come they're not here? You know, they came to me for help, and they cried loud, but after I healed them, where are they? Why didn't they come back and let me rejoice with them? And I'm telling you, Jesus rejoiced when that one came back to him. Jesus rejoices when he sees faith. He rejoices when he blesses his people. And he rejoices when we recognize him. Amen. So the leper fell down on his face at Jesus' feet, giving him thanks. And he was a Samaritan, wasn't even a Jew. And he didn't have a covenant with Almighty God. And in the eyes of the others, he wasn't even entitled to be healed by their God. And he wasn't worthy enough to receive God's help where they were. And by, but it's, it's by grace and mercy that this Samaritan was healed. You know, we don't always have a right to things. And sometimes we don't even have a right to pray and ask God for something, certain things anyway. And yet, even when we do, God can show us mercy and grace. I mean, thank God that mercy and grace has no boundaries. He don't care what color you are. He don't even care if you're saved. If you cry out to God, even in an unsaved condition, He will hear you, and God will uh, answer your prayer, and He will get, He will show you mercy, and He'll show you grace. And and because it's that type of stuff that gets people saved, it's that type of stuff that will turn somebody to the Lord. Is the goodness of God. Hallelujah. But uh, they didn't feel he was entitled to it. And uh, but as a result of, of the one leper's gratefulness, he got more than the others did. I mean, they were all cleansed of their leprosy. They were all. and But it was from a distance. But this one was not only cleansed like the others. He was not only healed like the others. He was made whole. Now, there's got to be a difference between that because. Jesus specifically mentioned that his faith has made him whole, not just healed him, but made him whole. So wholeness is something more than just getting physical healing. And uh, and here's where it comes in at. If he was missing a finger, a toe or an ear or maybe even his nose, because that's what leprosy did. Body parts and your digits and everything would just fall up. They would rot and fall off of your body. But if he was missing anything, it was restored. Those other ones may have been healed and yet carried the scars of leprosy. But he probably didn't even have a scar on him after he was made whole. And in addition to his physical healing, he got close to God and worshipped him as Lord. And he received spiritual and emotional healing as well. He was made whole of all the effects of leprosy, not just the physical effects. You know, you could be healed physically and be scarred mentally and emotionally and spiritually for life. But he was made whole. He was healed of his uh, physical body, and he was also healed spirit and soul. And the others weren't. And you know, God may choose to physically heal a man from a distance, but spiritual and emotional healing comes only when we draw close to God and worship and praise Jesus as our Lord and Savior. And although it took faith to start walking as a priest before he was healed, it wasn't his faith that made him whole completely. It was also his gratefulness. His gratefulness increased his faith to the point where it would make him whole. And, uh, you know, your faith might not always get you healed and made whole, but it will always connect you to the one who can get you healed and made whole. And that's Jesus. And Jesus asked a simple question. And, and like I said before, it touched my heart. If you think about it a minute, it will touch you. He said, where are the nine? I'm sure he wasn't taken by surprise because Israel had a history of, of uh, being unthankful and a history of being disobedient. So it probably didn't take him by surprise. But he still asked the question, where are the nine? And, you know, God always did above and beyond for Israel. And they would return with disobedience, rebellion, and unthankfulness. And a little bit of that showed in the other nine. But here's my question. Are there people like that today? And unfortunately, the answer is yes. God does things for us sometimes, and we take them for granted. And some people think they're entitled, just like these nine probably thought, because they were Jews and they were under a covenant. They thought they were entitled, and God had an obligation to bless them but he doesn't. God doesn't have an obligation to do anything for us. Is it possible the nine lepers felt entitled because of their religious affiliation? I don't know. Because they were Jews? I don't know. But everything God gives us is because of love, mercy, and grace. We don't deserve anything. Uh, we didn't deserve salvation, and he gave it to us out of mercy. And, and uh, you know, never because we're entitled. When you think you're entitled to something, then You won't be thankful for it. You won't appreciate it as much, and it won't mean as much to you. And, I mean, has God ever answered a prayer for you? I'm sure he has. Has God ever healed you or got you out of a jam? I know he has me more than once. Did you recognize him for it? Did you take the time to praise him for it? Did you take the time to thank him for it? Don't be like the other nine. Return and give him thanks and praise and worship him. Paul told Timothy in the last days, men should be lovers of their own selves, covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy. And I believe all these things come from an unthankful spirit, an unthankful attitude. God heals and delivers people that are ungrateful. But when he does, they usually go right back to doing the things that made them sick. And put them in bondage in the first place. Amen. But here's an observation. Worshipping and praising God for the big blessings is easy. I mean, it's easy to recognize God when he does something big, when he did something impossible, when he made the impossible possible. We we recognize him then. But what if it's the little things? You know, we need to be thankful in the little things, everyday things. And, you know, well, if God healed me of something big like a terminal disease, I know I would have went back and praised him and worshiped him and thanked him. Maybe you would, maybe you wouldn't. But you wouldn't if you're not thankful with the little everyday things. Uh, and Jesus said that in Luke 16, 10. He, he said, he that is faithful in that which is least is faithful also in much. And he that is unjust in the least is unjust also in much. And the principle here that holds true for everything, every situation, is if you're unthankful and ungrateful in the little things, you will also be unthankful and ungrateful in the big things. And that's not a theory. That's what Jesus just said. And Jesus said, if you haven't been praising him for the little things all along, then you're not going to praise him for the big things. Uh, Because gratefulness is an attitude. And if you can't be grateful for the little things that you've been taking for granted all this time, then you won't be grateful for the big things either. And I want to show you an example of gratitude that the master had. In Matthew 14, Jesus had 5,000 people plus women and children to feed. Uh, And in the natural, he didn't have enough food. And so this little boy had five loaves and two fishes. And I want to show you what the master did when he was faced with not enough. He knows five loaves and two fish is not enough to feed a multitude of people like that. But Jesus took the five loaves and the two fishes and looked towards heaven. Why? That's where our help comes from. Look towards heaven. Don't look across to the doctor. Don't look across. There's nothing wrong with doctors and these other things, but look up first. And so Jesus looks up to heaven, he blesses them. And broke them and gave them to his disciples to distribute to the multitudes that were were gathered there. And the Bible says all eat and were filled. It wasn't just a snack. They were full. And they had 12 baskets full of leftovers. I ain't talking about scraps. I'm talking about 12 big baskets of bread and fish left over. And I wonder where that went. I bet it went home with that little boy who sold the five loaves and the two fishes. But I'm going to make a statement that I heard T.G. Jake say one time. He said, if you can't thank God for what is not enough, then you will never have the opportunity to thank him for what is more than enough. If you can't thank God for what is not enough, then you will never have the opportunity to thank him for what is more than enough. You're not going to experience the more than enough life. And some of us have never, are never satisfied no matter how much we're blessed. And we can't find anything to be thankful for. And it's a general attitude of negativity that needs to be adjusted. And uh, I had it at one time, I, you know, I thought I was uh, the one out there working and providing it for my family. But I realized, had it not been for God, just, you know, I was two weeks away from a soup line like everybody else. But Pastor Mark Hankins told a story about Limburger cheese one time. He said, I'm reminded of the guy who was sleeping and someone put Limburger cheese in his mustache under his nose while he slept. And when he woke up, he said, it stinks in here. So he went to another room. He said, it stinks in here. Every room he went to, he said, it stunk. And finally, he goes outside. He takes a deep breath and smelled the same odor that he smelled in all the other rooms and said, the whole world stinks. And that's what he meant by a general attitude of negativity. You know, if you have an attitude like that, where the world stinks, then your job will stink, your car will stink, your house will stink, your teacher will stink, your marriage will stink. It will stink everywhere you go. You will have a stinking outlook on life. And there's a lot of it. And so they have a hard time finding things to be thankful for. And and there's only one thing that will change that, and that is that you must train yourself to look for things that you can be thankful for. If you look hard enough, you can find something you can be thankful for. And if you think everything stinks and can't be thankful for where you're at in life or the room that you're in, so to say, then you're probably going to stay where you're at. And so, I mean, we could thank the Lord for our job. It may not be enough right now, but at least you're working. Thank the Lord for your car. It may be a mobile, but at least you're not walking. Thank the Lord for your marriage. It may not be perfect, but at least you're not alone. And with God's help, you can fix what's wrong. God will restore marriage. And besides that, the big blessings don't usually come until you learn to be thankful for the little blessings. I'm going to use an analogy, and I'm going to close with this. Almost on time. I tried to do 30. We're about 32 right now, but I'm going to close with this. I have a, uh, a broken finger analogy that I use. Everybody in my church is familiar with it, but I'm sure there's somebody out there hasn't heard it yet. But, you know, let's say you break a finger. One finger, you broke your finger. And you walk around saying, oh, my broken finger, my poor finger, my poor finger. And yet you have nine other fingers that are working. Why focus on the one broken finger and, and be unthankful that you have a broken finger? you got nine other fingers that are working, and you can be thankful for them. The leopard did exactly that because when he turned to go to the priest, he was healed, but not whole. But when he took the time out to worship and praise the healer, El Shaddai, the god that's more than enough, showed up and gave the leopard more than enough, more than the other nine. I'm telling you, our God is El Shaddai, the God that's more than enough. He's not satisfied with just giving you enough. He likes to give you more than enough. And I'm telling you, the closer you draw to him, the more you praise him, the more that you worship him, the more you're going to see blessings in your life. The more obedient you are to the word, the more blessing. The more that you walk out your faith when God gives you a word, the more blessing. Amen. We're going to close here. Let's pray. Father, thank you for each and every one that listened to this word tonight. I pray that it was a blessing to them. God, if they're sick in their bodies, I ask you to touch them right now where they're at. Touch them and heal them from the top of their head to the soles of their feet. Even though they're far off, there's no distance in the spirit and there's no distance in the word. The Bible says you sent your word and healed them all. God bless each and every one real good tonight. And we thank you and praise you for them all in Jesus name amen and amen go out there and find something to be thankful for sit in your sofa close your eyes lay back and relax to begin to think of all the wonderful things that god has given to you and done for you and you'll find things to be thankful for god bless you we'll see you next week this concludes this message thank you for listening we pray that it's been a blessing to you For more information about FFC or its ministries, please contact the church office. God bless you, and remember Jesus is Lord.